Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14, as I share from the King James Version. It says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. For a few moments this morning, I want to share with you this thought. Overcoming the pool of the past, living life in the future tense. This is one of Paul's most buoyant, most joyful letters. There's the occurrence of the word joy or one of its derivatives in this letter more than any of the other letters that Paul write in the New Testament. And this is true despite the fact that he writes from prison. It's indicative of the reality that we all must understand that you can be locked in and yet not locked out. Uh, There can be something going on in your life that locks you in, locks you down. But it can never lock you out of the joy that causes you to affirm to live as Christ and to die is gain. Paul's magnificent obsession, as it always was, was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it should be our obsession. It should be what keeps us going. It should be what keeps us moving. It should be what keeps us encouraged when trouble comes and trials rise in our lives. Storms begin to blow, and they will. Here we are past the precipice of another year, but 50 weeks roughly ahead of us. And nobody here can predict what tomorrow or next week or next month will hold. When you read Paul's writings, you get the sense, despite his magnificent obsession with Jesus Christ and him crucified, you get the sense that he's haunted at seasons in his life by sins and transgressions of the past. Failings, missteps, shortcomings of the past. And he says it himself. He often talks about how when he didn't know better, he persecuted the church. And he said, I did it. I did it ignorantly. I did it in unbelief. But you get a sense that his, his frailties and his failures were always showing up in the rearview mirror of his life. 
And he recognized that the pursuit of excellence, as it was personified in Jesus Christ, could be jeopardized if he did not overcome the pull of the past. Some things that we deal with must be jettisoned. There's too much that we carry on the flight of Christian life that we need to check at the gate. Because if you keep doing that, the devil sooner or later is going to start charging you for carry-on stuff. And one of the things that we have to jettison is an unhealthy preoccupation with things we can no longer control. I think all of us, if we could, we'd like to go back in time and do some things differently. Some of us don't have to go no further than this morning. They're caught in a virtual prison. They uh, cannot seem to escape the pull of the past. That They wake up every day finding themselves emotionally, mentally, and spiritually trapped in the ruins of yesterday's failures, regrets, mistakes, missteps, and even successes. For want of faith and because of fear, they cannot move forward and live their lives in the future tense. Paul does not want to make this mistake. And he provides a strategy as we read these words, this memorable passage in Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. He provides a strategy for overcoming the pull of the past and living in the future tense. There are three things that I see in this passage, and I want to share them with you. Because somebody here may be struggling with this today, something that years come and years go, and you can't seem to move forward. It's not necessarily a chronological day that you're trapped in, but you're trapped in something that's weighing you down. And you need to be able to let go and let God. First of all, Paul said that if you want to overcome the pull of the past and live life in the future tense, you have to develop a holy discontent in the present. You know, he begins this passage by saying, brothers, I count, and that's an accounting term. He says, I've done an inventory. I've checked my stock. And when I've checked it, I found out that I have not apprehended. I have not arrived. I have not finished my race. You know, I find this statement remarkable coming from the Apostle Paul, who was a man of great stature. He was a Pharisee. He was a tribe of Benjamin. He had the equivalent of two PhD degrees. He could speak bilingually, maybe even trilingually. There was so much to commend him. And yet hear him saying here, there is more to be done. When I look at my life, when I check the stock, there's more to be done. There's more souls to be saved. There's more lives to be touched. There's more churches to be built. There's more disciples to be mentored. Can you hear him saying today, I'm not finished? Paul exudes a holy discontent in this part of the passage because of his analysis of the present state of his own spiritual life. 
Now, one of the reasons he had this was because Paul had a debt. If you read Romans chapter 1, Paul said, I'm a debtor. And this debt was a debt that he knew that he owed to God and that he owed to others that he could never pay. He could never pay it off. Since his conversion on the Damascus Road, Paul had been in the grip and grasp of someone who apprehended him and who he was apprehending, who would not let him go, nor let him alone. Paul's affirmation here reminds me of, of an Old Testament character named Caleb. Some of you are familiar with that name. Caleb was one of the 12 spies that Moses appointed to go into the promised land and to spy it out. He and Joshua only came back with a good report that while there were giants in the land, uh, the land was a fruitful land. It was a bountiful land and that if God willed it, they were able to possess it. In the book of Joshua, around chapter 14, we are fast forwarded 45 years later. And Caleb is no longer 40 years old. He's 85. And he comes to Joshua when the land is being partitioned and there are still pockets of enemies. There are still pockets of resistance. And he goes to him. He said, listen, I'm 85 years old, but don't let that stop you. He said, now, I want you to give me a mountain. I want you to give me another mountain to conquer. When you have a holy discontent, you're never satisfied with where you are. If you want to know what is a death sentence to a relationship, to a marriage, to a career, or even to a ministry, it's when we get satisfied. Because what happens when we get satisfied, we start taking things and we start taking people for granted. So there ought to be in our lives, if we're going to overcome the pull of the past and live life in the future tense, there ought to be a holy discontent. Secondly, Paul says, we should practice a healthy detachment from the past. Not, not just a holy discontent in the present, but a healthy detachment from the past. Paul was concentrated. He was focused. Notice how he begins this particular portion of the passage. He says, but this one thing I do. You see, one of our problems is so many of us spiritually are jacks of all trades and masters of none. See, we got to get to the lowest common denominator. Paul said this one, part of what may need to happen for you to, to actualize what Paul did in this passage in your own experience this year is you, you need to start thinking about what I need to push off the plate. Well, what are some things that I'm involved in, that I'm engaged in, that are not helping me get to where I want to go? You may have to examine some relationships and ask yourself, are these really productive and profitable relationships? Paul said, this one thing kind of sounds like David. Running from his own son. 
wrote Psalm 23. Some people think he was in some palatial palace when he wrote Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Expositors believe this is one of the songs he wrote when his son Absalom rebelled, tried to take his own father's life. He wrote Psalm 27 under that same context, that same pressure, and this is what he said. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And he said, when I can do that, in a time of trouble, when you get to that place, you can look at trouble and say, in a time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. See, this gives us a hint of the kind of concentration that we need to have in life uh, to overcome the pull of the past and live life in the future tense that allows us to have selected amnesia, that allows us to have selected amnesia. I love that song, but the lyrics rang in my heart and spirit this morning. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, is, is all I'm asking of you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. And this is the part I really like. Yesterday's gone. Sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way one day at a time. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never be mine. And I cannot, nor can you, allow yourself to be held captive either by past failures or past successes. The would-haves, could-haves, and should-haves will cripple your capacity to enjoy life right now. To enjoy what you have right now. Not only must we develop or cultivate a holy discontent in the present, but we must also practice a healthy detachment from the past. It's a good time to sit down, pray together, evaluate, and where you need to practice a healthy detachment. Finally, Paul tells us something else you do. If you want to live life in the future tense and overcome the pull of the past, is you pursue heaven's highest prize for the future. You pursue heaven's highest prize for the future. You know, Paul was undeniably knowledgeable of the Greek games. He was a sports fan in his era because athletic metaphors permeate his writings. And one of his favorite ones is the runner. In fact, in, in the book that is essentially his last will and testament, it's this metaphor, among others, that he used when he says, I fought a good fight. I've kept the faith, and like a runner, I have stayed in my lane, and I finished the course, and there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord shall give, and he shall give to me, and not to me only, but to everybody that love is appearing. It's this image, if you were like me, that he uses, because I believe he's the author of Hebrews, that he uses in chapter 12 of Hebrews when he says we're compassed about by a great cloud of witnesses and therefore run with patience. 
the race that is set before you, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And he says this, lay aside every weight. If you're going to run to win, there's some stuff you got to lay aside. And you can't just be running any kind of way. You got to keep your eye on the prize. He, he said, you got to look to Jesus. See, we look at others for support and encouragement. But for our salvation and soul survival, we got to look to Jesus because he can give us what nobody else can. One thing today, on this second Sunday of the new year, I'm not confused about is that when my life comes to an end and I come to the bridge that connects time with eternity, I know what bridge that will take me across to the other side when preaching days are over. I know what bridge that will take me across to the other side when seven days are over. I know what bridge that will take me across to the other side when praying days are over when there's no more sickness and no more death to deal with I tell you this morning I know what bridge that's going to take me across is there anybody here today that know the bridge that I know he's a bridge over troubled water and he's a doctor and a lawyer thank God this morning I can overcome the pool of the past and live in the future tests because my best days are not behind me my best days are in front of me because eyes have not seen ears have not heard what the Lord has prepared for them that love him You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.